Welcome to the Dented Puck Podcast. Each week, we'll be talking about the NHL, being visually impaired, and our favorite combination of the two, blind hockey. We'll be talking shop about everything from the equipment we wear to how we've adapted our play style to fit our site. We'll also be talking to members of the blind hockey community and getting to know their stories and what has led them to the sport. We're really glad to have you with us, and we hope you enjoy the show. This is our small slice of hockey, and we'd like to think that it shows that hockey truly is for everyone. And welcome back. This is uh, episode 15 of The Dented Puck. As always, my name is Drew, and I'm here with Tony and Josh. Boys, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I am doing oh. doing good. He, Josh, he was talking to me. Me first. How are you oh, doing, well. though, Josh? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing bad, but will you change up the order on me? That's when, that's when things happen. I mean, Tony you know, changed you know, like it up. I, like I, like I was telling you, in variables, I don't do well with variables. <laughs> How are you doing, Drew? Ah, see, this is—I like this. I get to get it asked twice. I'm doing good, doing great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today we are joined with Luke Miller. He's a member of Team USA as well as the Chicago Blackhawks blind team. Luke, how's it going? Hey, boys, how's it going? Going as you can tell, we're a little slap happy today. So uh, lucky you. Hopefully we can get through this interview and actually get to some questions. But first, let's talk about hockey. Uh, uh, I'm kind of wondering if McDavid is gonna gonna take the golf scoring trophy this year. He's already caught up to Matthews, and he's just a monster. Do the Leafs look great? I, you know what? I don't really want to talk about the Leafs. I prefer to <laughs> just talk about Matthews's uh, also lack of a goal scoring in the past what, like six games. I, I'm honestly, I'm not hundred percent sure. They're doing bad. Okay, I still, I still think they're. I'm, I'm sticking with it. Leafs are winning the cup this year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the the Leafs uh, could run away with the cup. Um, but you talked about McDavid. He's at what was it, sixty points now, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I I hope that McDavid wins all of the scoring titles that he can. But I hope he never wins a Stanley Cup. <laughs> the ultimate. That was like the ultimate juju put on him. <laughs> well, I I mean. I, I watch games and I, I'll watch a couple games with McDavid and the, obviously, like you said, he's an absolute monster with the puck. But I don't know if it's more so that I, I hope he doesn't win one, though, or if I just hope that the Oilers don't win one while he's with them. Yeah. Because that team's identity does not exist without Connor McDavid, and it's a little depressing. I mean, it's definitely morphed a little bit, though, with with Dreisaitl becoming the number two uh, to to McDavid, I feel like it's. I, I feel like at this point, if so, you know something happened like what happened with Gretzky and they traded McDavid to wherever, Dreisaitl would be the Messier to to McDavid. If that makes sense, he'll leave in two years. Yeah, but he'll take over and win a cup after. <laughs> Because didn't they didn't Edmonton win the year after Gretzky got traded? I don't know. I'm not that old. I think it was, wasn't it? Because then Messier became the captain. Yeah. 
And it, yeah, it was like I a big deal. I thought they for won him. a year with Messier, and then didn't Messier leave that year or the year after? Is that when he went to Vancouver? Mm, did he go Vancouver or New York? I think he went to New York first, didn't he? Went he? To, I, he probably went to New York first. Yeah, it was the Rangers for a while. I think he finished his career in Vancouver, didn't he? I have no idea. It's a little before my time. You know what's funny was that um, the uh, the meme that brought up the, uh, the discussion with the Maple Leafs, um, I saw one today where um, McDavid 60 points um, is very close to the Sabres who have 61 goals. Ooh. Yeah, ooh is right. Well, I've seen... Oh, sorry, go on, Tony. No, it's all right. It bums me out because they're my second favorite team, and they're just so bad. They're just they're like they're they're just not even close to being good. You know, they got six wins. That's not that bad. Six wins. <laughs> you have to get rid of Eichel then. Are they going to get rid of Eichel? They're going to get rid. Do you of... have? Do you have to? Uh, do you have to? Um, and just start over. You don't necessarily get rid of that other bum too. Get rid of who? The bum that you ended up getting from us through Arizona. Taylor Taylor Hall. Hall. Oh, he gets off the ice when the other team gets the puck because he doesn't want a minus because that's something. He's terrible. Like he's been caught skating off the ice in Edmonton doing that. I would hate to have Taylor Hall on my team. But it's just like I, I watch these I watch these Buffalo highlights every night and like I, I look at their defensemen and it's just like it, it, it just it, it appears that just they don't care. Like the like their GM came in and is like, Look boys, we're tanking. Like <laughs> don't get hurt. <laughs> like that's that's what he told them. Don't get hurt. We're tanking. And it, like we could give more effort than some of the defense that's been playing for the Buffalo this season. Like I can't name more than two defensemen on that team. Well, I, I think, think that the yeah, sorry, no, you're good. Go on. I was gonna say I think that what are they? They've been on like eight coaches in ten years or something. Um, and I think that there's not a whole lot of grit going on in that franchise. I understand it's tough to be the worst team in the league years on end, but I feel like people are, are looking for Eichel as a scapegoat at this point, saying, oh, we're paying, paying him way too much for what he's doing, and, and maybe that's true, and in fact, it in all likelihood is true, but nobody's really talked about, I mean, what does their farm system look like that they haven't been able to produce a solid prospect in the last five years. Well, Rasmus, Rasmus Dahlin was uh, number two. Number two to Phil Housley as far as like defenseman of all time. Like he had like a historic year. It's just, it, it blows my mind because it, it's just, it is legitimately a dumpster fire. And I don't like talking. I mean, all those players are tenfold more skilled than I could ever conceive a thought of being, but it's just like, my God, like, 
if I had that skill, I'd be putting a, a lot more heart into it than <laughs> than some of these guys are. And maybe maybe their GM said tank, get a first rounder. Eichel looks terrible. How how does a player with that skill level have two goals this whole season? Taylor Hall is terrible. He's probably like minus forty. Uh, he's not good. <laughs> you know, I, I, because I like Buffalo. I mean, I okay, I like all hockey teams. I've got the ones that I root for. So, I, I think that there are a lot of solid players on Buffalo. I think it's one of those situations where the culture of the team has to change. And I, I do think that Eichel Hall uh, isn't Jeff Skinner on the team. Yeah. Uh, I I would keep Rasmus Dahlin. That yeah. guy is a monster as a defenseman. He's young enough. You can, you know, you can put some lean on him a little bit as he gets older. And and I think you just rebuild from the ground up. Because I he's, honestly he's, I don't know. Like Eichel's had a lot of really good players around him, and they still don't get it done. So is it the fact but who, that? But who? I mean, Taylor Hall. I mean, is a, is a really good player, but who else has been a number one left wing or a number one right wing with Jack Eichel? Well, but that's, I mean, that's the thing. He, no one, but that I think that they're, they're relying too much on him. And so they need to get rid of him to kind of get rid of that stigma and, and for his own good. Like and Jack Eichel is not too. Yeah. He's, he's a, he, I'm sure if he, Buffalo went to him and said, we're going to trade you to New York, he'd be fine with it. He'd probably move down to the second line, third line maybe, with the, the talent on that team. But I don't know. I, I think that Buffalo just needs to burn it to the ground and then rebuild. Is it true that – I've heard this, but I actually don't know if it's true. Is it true that there's what they call a Buffalo tax where – in order to convince you to go play in Buffalo, they have to up your contract by around a million dollars to even <laughs> entice players to go play there. That's not even a joke. I think I've heard that that's a real thing. Wow. I hope not, but I... I mean, look at places like Detroit. How many cups that team has, how many like prestige players it's had in its its ranks and they're at the bottom of the league too. And well, I, it happens. Like, well, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're bad. So, but, but Detroit is bad. Why are they not doing as poorly as Buffalo? Like I, I feel like I watch Detroit games and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like Dylan Larkin's good. Bobby Ryan's having an okay season. Um, like, isn't uh, Steve Eiserman the GM over there? Yeah. Maybe that ha- might have a little something to do with it. Uh, yeah. I think they at least have the infrastructure needed um, to be, you know, a bad team and not a nothing team. Absolutely. I mean, Philip Zadina isn't half the player that they thought they were going to have. Uh, I really like and I don't like Detroit at all, but I really like that defenseman, Philip Peronic. He's good. Um, Bobby Ryan, he actually loves playing. There's an article that I read, which I think is pretty cool, considering everything that's gone on with him in, it, <coughs> in his hockey career. Um, 
I don't know. They they're just they're in a rebuild. I mean, look at the Hawks for example. They're in a rebuild as well, but they didn't expect they didn't expect Kubalik probably to be as good as he is as he's been. Um, I mean, Suter's really like he's pretty good. How about like Brandon Hagel? Like I, I can watch this guy play. I'm so excited to watch that game tonight, just because to watch his compete level is is honestly it's second to none, and. You know, I'm never. I I don't know if he'll ever be like a thirty goal scorer or something like that. But he's got the uh, the passion to stay in the NHL for a very long time. Mm-hmm. What does it say about though that the Hawks were expected to be um, bottom of in a normal year? What would be known as the Central Division and whatever it's called this year? Um, and they had every excuse to be. Technically, I mean, Taves is out indefinitely, and we have no idea why. And Kirby Doc, who's I, I hope is going to be a, a future all star, is out for the whole season. He's and coming back. I think, is he coming back? I thought it was He's, the whole season. He, uh, he just had his first full practice with the team. Oh, that's good to hear. But sorry, go on, Nick. <laughs> well, what I mean is that the team had a lot of excuses to say, you know, we just got a bunch of rookies coming in this this year. We got Lincoln in as a new goaltender. We have Malcolm Subban, who's had some nice surprise games, but isn't anything to write home about. And, you know, this is just our time to to sit back. And I mean, the fan base isn't going anywhere, but yeah, like uh, Tony said, we're going into a massive rebuild. um, And hopefully it'll be of some epic proportion, but uh, they've actually played competitive games. I know they don't play well against, you know, the Lightning because the Lightning are arguably the most complete team in the NHL. But I mean, they'll go toe to toe with teams like Dallas, and then they'll dominate a team like uh, the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets. So I mean, what is the difference between the Red Wings and the Blackhawks, or the Blackhawks and the Sabers at that point? Culture. The culture. Yeah. Well, that's that's the that. difference between the devils of last year and the devils of this year. They got rid of the GM, they got rid of the coach. And I mean, the devils of this year, in the beginning of the year, they look like a hockey team. I mean, they've been getting pummeled left and right because it's a bunch of rookies and second year guys and without Nico Hishier because he got took one to the face. And I mean, like, that's just what's going to happen with the young team. But they look. They're watchable, and I literally I sat six rows behind the Devils goal last year, like cringing the entire time. The only person I could watch was Andy Green, and then they traded them. It was it was dysfunctional last year, and it's like Lindy Ruff brought function. They're not very good; they're a bad team, but they're a team that's growing. And I mean, like you guys said about the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks took that step, and they were expected. The Devils looked like in the beginning, and they caught back up to them because they're young kids. And you know, when, when you get you start, first start playing something, especially a new level, like we all began playing blind hockey at some point, there's a, it's, there's a level of things getting used to. And once you hit that point, you shoot up. But like, and that, that's kind of the idea. That's where the devils are. But it's, it's, you're able to watch it, unlike the Sabres, which is just it's painful to watch because it's just, they don't look like they care. They look like they're tanking. And it's just not pretty. The yeah. devil's still wasting money on PK Subban. <laughs> yes, they he's are. Having, he's having <laughs> but, an okay season, though. 
but but you know what? Um, I don't know. Well, you said you follow baseball, so I'm a Yankee fan. I, Pete, what PK needed to do was what CC Sabathia needed to do. Like when CC realized he couldn't throw like 95 anymore, he cut like 40 pounds and, and changed his game. And PK's starting to realize that he can't like beat three people off the puck and then be able to beat somebody anymore. He's good for a solid defender, a power play point man, and to hold his stick up for five minutes until someone actually gives him the one-timer. Then he's good for like hitting that one out of five of those. I like PK Subban, so, you know. I love me some PK. I do. Um, if if he was the reason, if having money tied up with him was what was keeping us from the playoffs or a Stanley Cup, that'd be stupid. But it's he's he's a decent influence for kids. Like no matter what his no matter what his persona is, he's been around the league. He's 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 been a very he's been a star in the league. And I mean, and he's a still a he's a, a much more solid player than he was last year. It was bad last year. It was bad last year. All right. Uh, yeah. So before we move on, um, I just want to put some get some good thoughts and prayers out there. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks blind team's goalie, Bill Landrum's daughter, is in the hospital right now. Um, last update I got was that she was in the ICU. Uh, so just hoping for good things for them. and good health coming up uh, and uh, let them know that we're thinking about them. So Luke, as you can tell, we start talking about the NHL and just keeps going. So we have our section called uh, three periods with, and obviously today's three periods with Luke Miller. Um, Josh is going to get us started off. We're going to ask some questions and get to know you a little bit better. You, uh, you ready for this? I am ready for this. All right. Awesome. So, because I am the one who does not know you at all, and the other two know you intimately, um, I'm going to go first, and uh, I'll just give you a story. Gro- uh, you play sports growing up. Um, you said you're, you're a student at Illinois, so I want to know about that. Um, so, tell me about yourself growing up, how you found, how you grew up playing hockey, if you played hockey, and how you got to blind hockey in the national. Yeah. So my um, journey with hockey was rather unconventional, though maybe not so because it uh, will resemble Anthony's slightly. Um, I was uh, always pretty athletically talented, um, and I started out playing baseball. Uh, I mentioned before the program that it was uh, playing t-ball and, and farm. Uh, baseball is pretty big in the Chicago suburbs. And I, I made a lot of friends that way and um, still have a, a bunch of them that I made during that time. And I started playing baseball around five years old or so. And, you know, the natural cycle of things, uh, I've played baseball for a few years. Eventually, um, I had been diagnosed with Conrad dystrophy at that point. Um, which is central blind spots and, and a whole bunch of other fun stuff going on there, but that's the main one. And, you know, eventually baseball became too difficult. Couldn't see the ball. I was afraid of being uh, hit um, while 
uh, the ball was either thrown to me in that field or I was batting. And eventually, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I had to stop playing baseball. Um, and then I switched over to basketball, which, again, um, picked up right away. I, I, I love playing basketball. I played in just some uh, local leagues with friends and did that for a few years. And that actually didn't become affected by the vision. Um, I think it just fell out of it eventually once I started uh, going to high school. And that would be around when I started playing hockey. And I was approached. And that, now the stories differ between me and my mom because she'll, she'll tell me that uh, she found blind hockey and I don't remember it that way. So that, that's, I mean, the jury's out on that one. However it happened, but... I, th- I think it was my vision itinerant at uh, high school told me that she had heard about this thing called blind hockey. And I mean, it's the typical reaction to get blind hockey. Wow, that's amazing. I had been a hockey fan for a while at that point, um, kind of starting when the, the Blackhawks became super big after that 2010 uh, Stanley Cup win. Um, and since then, I had skated on ice only a couple of times. I was a good rollerblader. Uh, shout out to Josh there, but I did not skate a whole lot on ice. I My limited experience was with pond hockey. Uh, I would play outside of a, a church, actually, with some uh, church friends that had set up a rink out there. And uh, we would play, pick up hockey out there. And I just kind of picked up picked up basic skating skills that way. Um, until I started playing blind hockey with Chicago Blackhawks uh, blind hockey. And since then, the skills had started to become developed, but not as quickly as they probably should have. And, um, you know, it's mostly due to Anthony that I picked up a ton of what I know now in uh, my skating and shooting ability and all beyond that. And then was invited to the tryout in 2018 because, uh, you know, Coach Svak, he was intimately involved in the Blackhawks program and knew what I could do. And I got the invite that way, I'm sure. Uh, showed up to the tryout uh, where we, we played the, the, the tryout game after the, the skills um, tryout and Tim Kane and I combined for like 15 goals in that game. So I felt pretty confident going into that selection process that I'd shown a good deal of what I could do and uh, was selected for the team that day. And uh, the rest is history. 15 goals. Yeah, I'm not okay. It's something like that. We'll, we'll say we'll round <laughs> up to 15. I'm just saying as a defenseman, like, that, that's, I'm just not cool with that. <laughs> but that's awesome. And that's and that's kind of like that's kind of like every story. Every story is different, and I mean, and every, and it's funny because you had the the same kind of baseball story, but you didn't make your decision based on that one ball that almost hit you in the face, like uh, like Bill did. It's kind of like that. Oh yeah, I should stop. You're, you're just mine, oh, I left teaching kind of the same way. I. It kind of was getting more and more difficult to worry about safety, and then it was kind of like, all right, it's, this is just this is just enough, and 
and that's and that's kind of how that happened. But that's awesome, and it's awesome that you guys are in the area that you guys had blind hockey to begin with, and had Mike as such a resource. So mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna send this one over to Drew so that he can get more in depth with this because I know he's got some good ones for you. Thank you so much. Of course. All right. Man, now I got to come up with some good questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think so, Luke. Uh, when I came into blind hockey, it was the last practice, I think, before Tampa uh, in 28, was that 2018 or 2019? Because um, I only got to skate with you once, and then you were gone the next week. I don't know if it was for school or something else. Uh, but even from just that short time playing with you, then uh, I, you know, you can tell you can play the game. And then now seeing the progress you've made this season, like you're, are you? Do you have a a point that you're trying to reach by? like a skill level that you you're hoping to to get to do you want to perfect stick handling or anything like that or do you just look at the game as a whole and try and better yourself because you you, i mean you are getting better all around um but i feel like i worded this question really weird no i i get an idea of what you're talking about the i again i mentioned that before i met anthony um, is that I was learning a real piecemeal game at that point. You know, I was learning, oh, okay, so I'm done learning how to skate. Now I'm going to learn how to, to carry a puck, but I actually already have a good shot. So I'm learning how to stick handle actually after uh, certain other skills. And so it was very disjointed before then. And then when I started working with Anthony, I, I figured out, oh, there actually is an efficient way or at least a more efficient way to learn this game. And it's not, um, it, it isn't by, uh, okay, focus on this one thing uh, for two minutes and then focus on this next thing for two minutes. You actually got to put it together actively in your brain, like all the time be thinking about it mentally. So, you know, when I, I think about a point I want to reach, I try not to define it in terms of, oh, I want to be a really good blank. I, I want to be a really good sniper. Um, or I want to be a really good defensive forward, whichever one it, it might be. I would rather just try and be the best all two-way forward that I could be. You know, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, and I guess... Um... I guess he's not letting you put him in the box. Well, no, I, I, I don't think that I, I, especially in blind hockey, I don't necessarily know that you can put anyone in specific. I mean, like calling Kevin Brown a stay-at-home defenseman is like it seems silly, because uh, you know he's a B one, but he's still on the blue line in the offensive zone. Like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I do not feel like. Um, those normal things apply to us and I could be wrong and you're welcome to disagree with me as, as one of the younger players who, who has had to learn in um, I, I'm going to say disjointed. I'm sure there's a better word for it, 
but that's what I'm going to use. Uh, you've you've learned how to play hockey in a disjointed manner. Um, I think that it's important to utilize your experiences as far as like what works and what doesn't work to help the next generation so that, you know, the next Luke Miller or Tony Chesro uh, is at the same level as their cited counterpart. You know, we need to be able to teach the game in a way that, that advances players' skills at, at the same level, if, if that makes sense. Um. I totally agree with you. I think the benefit that I have is that blind hockey is the only hockey I know. Uh, I mean, besides watching NHL games, but um, blind hockey is how I learn the game. It's how I will always learn the game from now on. And as far as bringing in new players, I think that that's really what's going to be necessary is um, there can be certain disjointed methods uh, to use your word between uh, several different players on, on team USA, because a lot of them played, you know, high school hockey all the way up to where Tony is or Tony was in, in a junior level at the height of his career. And they all learned something different. Um, which I think can can be beneficial that everybody's bringing their own uh, something new to the table, uh, but I also think can have its disadvantages. Um, so I think that having more of, of an aligned base knowledge will benefit the team in the long run. I've also developed a whole new understanding of how to communicate with visually impaired players and visually impaired people um, just by going to Chicago Blackhawks blind practices every week and then being as exposed to uh, the national team as I have been. Nice. I'm going to uh, just ask some more straightforward questions now because I feel like I'm getting away from myself. So, uh, so 91, did you get to choose that or was it given to you? 91, I got to choose that for uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Okay, and why? You know, I love those fast skaters. I I like Tyler Sagan. Um, I like Tarasenko. You know, just those guys that represent that number. Um, I I think that that's uh, that's good company to remind yourself of, and um, a lot of pretty fantastic players have worn that number. So, uh, and a lot of guys that I like to emulate. So. I think that that would be uh, my main reason for that. All right. And so you, you said you like to emulate them. Um, how do you try and, you know, because there are guys like Sagan who's just fast and has great hands. Um, but how do you try and translate his game into yours? You know, I do my best to change something every week. And um, I keep going back to the well, but uh, Tony is an excellent example of that. He is always pushing me um, on the ice when we're doing our skating um, (laughs) at the beginning of practice. My goal is to, at least on the, um, when we're skating as fast as as we can, my goal is to always beat him. I don't care about, uh, I don't care about beating uh, the coaches, I don't care about 
am I, um, am I whatever it's, you know, that's the goal is to beat Tony because he's taught me so much about this game. And I know that I'm on the right track. If I, um, if I can start out the practice that way. And I just, you know, a lot of attention goes to those players that you mentioned. And it's because uh, they're, they're powerful on the ice, you know, the demolition derby kind of players, but also like Tyler saying quick and quick and fast, just like that. And I think that that's what I mean when I try and emulate is, um, you know, how can I, how can I push myself more and more day by day uh, to get to that next level? So you you get to play for for the U.S. national team, which is awesome. Um, and I also think that you're lucky that you got on at such a young age that you've been there from the beginning, and you'll continue to be there um, in the future. What what is the difference to you? Because you've played it, you you have played it like disabled fests or blind hockey classics and things like that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is the difference in playing against other Americans in comparison to playing against Team Canada? Um, I think that, or I know that, um, playing against other Americans, um, there's generally a sense of friendly competition as far as you know that there's a there's an element of we take this seriously, but uh, it's a lot more friendly than it is when you play Canada. Um, there's no love lost between the U.S. team and Canada, in my opinion. I, I we are definitely friendly to each other and cordial, but when you get on the ice against that team, it is uh, you know you're you're dealing with it's the real deal and. Um, all of the all of the happy competition stuff goes out the window at that point. I mean, but were you do you do you think they're faster? I mean, I know. So I, I, Josh and I have have watched all the tournaments, obviously, um, and there does seem like there's just a little. Maybe it's because it's their national sport and they've been playing it since they were, you know, one. Is it just a faster game at that level? I mean, does everything? Are you? Do you find that you you have to key up to a different different spot when you go play them? Oh, definitely, for sure. And so, how do you do that? Because I, so like my when I get ready for anything for practice for games, I have a very specific routine um, that I go through that that helps me get my mindset into whatever place it needs to be um do you do anything different when you go to play canada than you do for you know practice or how do you how do you make sure that you are ready when that puck drops um i try and make sure that the the kinks are all worked out that's why when i practice with chicago or i'm on the ice doing my own practice is that i'm always making sure my feet are moving it as fast as they can. And if I feel that I'm slowing down or not giving my effort, I remind myself, imagine you're playing Canada in two days. 
or you're about to draw a puck with them. Is this what you want to feel like then? So I, I think that the, the goal is to make sure that you're not having to dial it up when you play Canada. You, you, you'd like to make sure that um, you have that sense of competition no matter what. And it, it kind of lessens the, the burden of stepping on the ice with that team because they, they are a fantastic hockey team. And I think you, you're right that they, they, have, they have more hockey knowledge than uh, Team USA does. They also play a lot more often. Uh, as a group than we do, but I mean, that isn't everything. And there will be a point where we're able to beat them, but that's, that's the main thing is just how do we approach that competition? And are you approaching all competition like that in order to make sure that you're not having to key in before those games? And like, it's something special, like, but think I've done this a hundred times before I've done this a thousand times before. I'm locked in and, and ready to go no matter what. All right. I dig it. He doesn't need to he doesn't need to tape his um his left leg top to bottom and his right leg bottom to top, Drew, and then sit there and look tape his stick three times. I only <laughs> tape it once and it is before every ice function. And I have I just I am I am superstitious. It it is a fault. <laughs> um, it's a lot of tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I tried doing the Jamie Ben tape job, just like three stripes in the middle. Ugh. So bad. I'd be afraid that my stick would break. Break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna need to, you're gonna need to take that out. <laughs> oh. I I don't know. I or you can keep it in. I guess. <laughs> but no, I think that's a good. I think that's a good mindset to have. You know, um, and and maybe that's something for for people to to think about if if you're listening to this, because I do think that the proper way to practice is to practice like you're playing a game. Um, my showing at practice besides that <laughs> but like being able to uh get get into a game mindset isn't easy for everybody and i think that it's also a part of practice and like making sure that you're always constantly able to to think at that level um i'm i, I don't know i'm i'm a little blown away luke you know is because I have got to play with you a lot, um, but you're a pretty laid back guy, and and uh, I didn't necessarily expect you know that kind of answer. I don't know. It's it's it was a very serious, well thought out answer. That a lot of where that comes from is, and this is for any sport that people will tell you is that you have to play people that are better than you, um, and that kind of will force you into that mindset. And, you know, a lot, when I am at university, my practice consists of uh, playing in a rec league. Um, and you'll get players from uh, the University of Illinois club team that'll play. And you also get some players from the Illinois State uh, hockey team uh, that'll come down and participate 
uh, just as a, another form of ice time that they get. And, you know, I can't always keep up with that competition because, I mean, they're playing a lot more often than I do when I'm at college. But that was really where that kind of discipline was instilled, was playing, <laughs> was playing people that could skate just that bit faster than me. And just with any other sport, you want to be able to keep up with those people forces you to skate a whole lot faster. Well, and having Tony is definitely, uh, definitely that guy to chase because not, not many better. No, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You said something, I think you said something about not him. And I you said, ah, Tim. And I was like, yeah, that's how I get my speed too. But, Chasing Tim. Mm-hmm. We all, we all, you all, you need that fast one. You need to play against players that are better than you, or you. The development does not grow as fast as it should. And it's the same thing with coaching. You have to have higher level coaches that you, than your skill, or this, or the skill again is stunted, and the growth is stunted. And and you're seeing that having Tony around really shows how much. That having that influence helps, and it'll help a lot of people in the long run. Absolutely, I'm gonna pass this buck over to him and let him finish up with the third period. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, thank you guys all so much for the compliments. They they really mean the world to me, and I've just been keeping quiet, listening back and listening to them. And you know, this game has given me so much. And, uh, you know, everything that you were just saying, Luke, is something that I was able to 110% relate back to myself when I was your age. And that was, uh, I've told this story so many times. Um, I mean, you're the reason why I play blind hockey. Um, I, you know, my coach, or not my coach, uh, one of my buddies, his name is Pat Mullaly. He knew I was going through a difficult time, and he messaged me. He's like, hey, you know, I know things aren't going the well, the best that they can, and I know you're missing hockey. How would you like to coach blind hockey? And I was like, blind hockey? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, like I had absolutely no understanding of how the game worked or whatever, and I was just like, I, like, I had no idea. So I, he gave me the contact information to the Stephanie. I, I, I called her, and I had left a voicemail, and I didn't hear anything back for a couple of days. And then uh, I got a call. I can't remember what day of the week it was. It was, it was. I know it was a weekday. And she's just like, we have a practice this Saturday. She said, most of the players are out of town because there's a festival in Pittsburgh. Um, but there is a player staying back. You know, if you want to come check out what a practice would look like, even though there would only be one player, you know, do you want to see what it would look like? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And um, I, like I said, I had z- absolute zero expectation. I thought that, you know, there was a good possibility that it was going to be something that I didn't find myself uh, interested in. And I saw you out there uh, flying around, ripping pucks around, Luke. And I was just like, all right, well, I, I still have 
some energy left in the tank like maybe maybe it's time i start giving up my playing days and um you know coach and that was my full intention of doing that was just being your individual coach and then i got a call from the next time that i heard from stephanie and she said not only do we want you to coach she said, you fit the visual qualifications to be a player. How would you like to be a player? And then after that, the rest is history. But when I, when I seen you out there, I knew that, wow, there is other people out there like myself who are visually, visually impaired. And like I hadn't been like, uh, what's the word here? immersed in the community of blind hockey yet so i didn't realize that there was a whole uh a whole platoon of people that go through things like i've gone through or will go through things that i've potentially gone through and like i've got this amazing family because of this and it, it, it all stems from the the first saturday that i came to the rink and i saw you skating around with either coach kevin or coach andrew just ripping pucks and so I think I thank you because you've uh, this has been one of the greatest accomplishments and um, just overall just best experiences that I've ever had with hockey was is being a member of the Chicago Blind Blackhawks and being a, a member of the blind hockey community as well as you know Team USA. Um, you know, the reason we do this podcast is so that we get stories like that out there. So that maybe, you know, I will just say uh, Jimmy, little Jimmy, uh, isn't really sure what he's going to be doing. You know, he's 14. He just lost his vision. You know, and then he uh, he hears a story like that about two people that or not two people, a whole group of people that found a, a passion for a sport. And they join, and that's why we do, we do this podcast. And I, I wouldn't be a member of this podcast if it wasn't for you, because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have found flying hockey by accident or fell in love with it. Thank you. And so you're my protege, and that's what you're saved in under my phone. Is you've been my seriously, you're like my, <laughs> you like Star Wars, right? Don't they kind of sure. like? Don't they kind of like teach the one guy how to become like a Jedi master? Yeah, the expensive sounding like your local nerd. They call it a Padwan. All right, well you're my little Padwan, homie. And <laughs> 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 now I'm trying to get you to use, use the Force out there out on the ice so that we can start making some magic happen. And that that's why I push you hard. And I, I know there's sometimes. Like you get, um, and and I do too. And I I get upset out there because I see I see every ounce of potential that you have, Luke. And you're a phenomenal hockey player. So all those amazing things that you just said about me and and everything, I can say those same things about you. You remind me so much of myself of when I was playing. The only difference is is you're a mule. And I'm a donkey <laughs> because you're a big boy and I'm kind of like a little like penguin looking thing. 
Oh, you're making me laugh over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I just what have you not like? I, I guess like one of my questions would be is, and and this isn't for me to talk about myself. This is for, for me to ask about, you know, what are the differences when you have somebody coaching that um, I don't want to say necessarily knows what they're doing, but is giving you more of a structured game? Like, what have you noticed the difference in your own personal game since, you know, we're, we're, we're working on intense cycle drills and, you know, other things? I mentioned at the more towards the beginning was that my thing is that I need to start putting the pieces together. Right. I have all of the I have all the puzzle pieces laid out and I'm trying to focus on making a picture out of it. And I think that the cycle plays have really forced me into that space of yeah, you have split second decisions to make and you're gonna you're about to start learning how to do that right now <laughs> yeah and yeah so i'd say that that is the the main point right there is besides learning cycle plays which is going to be essential moving forward for the entire team uh yeah it's been forcing me to um be more uh enveloped in what's going on immerse myself more in actually playing hockey and not just you know, it's the difference between hockey as a hobby and hockey as your job. You know, if I can explain it that way. No, for sure. It, 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 there's a. You guys were talking about mindset earlier, and you know that was my favorite topic, and and all of my five years of uh, studying psychology, my my favorite is mindset psychology and and that's because of how much of an impact that it can really make, uh, especially in sports. And I've had this conversation with you, Luke, is I had an identity problem when it came to blind hockey in the beginning. I wasn't, uh, I had only known how to play hockey in its purest form. Um, with you know and being having that certain sort of uh, aggression and the, the whole entire um you know it's not just the whole men- mental game and like like the the physicality of it and everything like that like you got to get ready like you're going to war because i mean you're putting your your body uh out on the line and that's the same the same exact can be said for blind hockey because we've all had our own injuries to do this and you know we do put our bodies out on the line but i'm talking about like my knuckles and my face and that was for every player to the left and to the right of me even if i didn't like them that was still you know they're they're my teammate and I, I had a very difficult time in the beginning trying to find my identity, and you've really helped me. And that is to be a, a, a mentor. And over the this summer and over this Corona thing, once it settles down, I really want to show you 
you know, what the next steps, what the next steps are. Like you've been saying, you've got the tools, right? You know how to stick handle. You have a good shot. You uh, are a good skater, okay? You have all these awesome things, um, but you have a, I don't want to say a difficult time, because that's not, that's not the correct way of saying it, because you don't have a difficult time. You struggle with the consistency of putting it all together. There, there isn't a structure. You're more of a um, north-south player right now, where you have all the tools to be north-south, east-west, <laughs> north-south, uh, like every direction that you can possibly uh, go out on the ice with finesse and being defensive. You have all those tools. You just need to be able to put it all together. And I feel like that's something that we need to do. You know, we ask this question, what do we need to do to, you know, help grow the game of blind hockey? Well, if we really want to take this game to the next level, it's about coaching at the next level. It's about teaching at the next level. And that's just, that's just cycle drills, Luke. Like, this is barely tapping into the thing. I really wanted to tap into that wall bank thing that we were doing, but I had to miss last week. Do you remember that drill? Oh yeah, for sure. That is, that is, that is just one thing. And those, like I was saying, those can be used in the offensive zone and in the defensive zone as well. As long as you have uh, quality communication with whoever you're going to be making this play to, and they understand it the same way that you do, uh, I mean, those are all effective plays that can be ran anywhere out on the ice. And I want to take you to that next level, and I want to take this program with USA Blind Hockey, the Chicago Blind Blackhawks, you know, the St. Louis Blues Blind Hockey Club, Indiana, every Seattle, uh, the Michigan team that uh, Tim and, and Dave Clank have put together. I want us to be all focusing on the same exact stuff week in and week out so that when we do go to these functions, right, we can all perform them out on the ice together. And it's as if we would have been practicing even though we're not in the same location. And that's what, you, that's what you need because, dude, you can be better than I can, okay? As far as my skills and my talent, I, I, I have peaked. I will not get better at, at those things. Can they be uh, refined? Yeah, abs absolutely. But uh, you, you don't have a ceiling right now with this game. You just need to learn the game. And, you, and, and dude, you're going to, I mean, you've got 30 years of playing on this team with your skill level. I hope so. Thank you very much. Of course. So thank you for all the nice compliments. I just had to talk about yourself for a minute there and just let you know that, like, I mean, you're the, re you're the reason, man. You're the reason why I went back to college. You're the re you, you helped me in, in ways that I can't even begin to thank you. And the least that I can do is push you as hard as I possibly can and try to 
like you said, instill all of my knowledge into you about this game because this is a beautiful game. And the fact that, you know, we're a, a group of people with a disability are playing this game, it's even more beautiful in that form. But they translate, and I feel like there's a there's a common misconception in the in, in blind hockey that it needs to be played at at a blind hockey level, and it doesn't need to be played at a hockey at a high intense hockey program level. Mm-hmm. But it'll get there, man. This is so we're all in our youth here. Yeah, I, I can't wait until the um. I do believe that there's going to be an explosion in, in the, the way that the game is taught at some point. Um, I don't know when it's going to be, but I think it will happen. And there's going to be a lot more alignment around what the game is really going to look like eventually, at least in the States. Right. I, I do believe that that's going to happen at some point. What do you, what do you envision? I envision what you've been talking about with these uh, with these cycle plays. The it, it is tough because we've always talked about that our main issue is that we get together once every hundred days for three or four days. Right, and I mean that was even worse this year because nobody was able to get together. Um, and I think that the programs have their own different goals as far as I, like Chicago Blackhawks has a different goal than Seattle. Uh, and Seattle has a different goal than Anaheim and so forth. And I think that that needs to, that needs to change eventually. And we've talked about how, you know, we don't necessarily always agree with what, um, how the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, team is is being run, and I think that there needs to be a a change in in that kind of structure of the game at some point. Um, I don't think it needs to be changed the way that it's ran at all. I think it's I think it's ran beautifully. I think what needs to change is the the learning points, the learning lessons, and there to be a way to really truly communicate the game. And, oh yeah, that would be about what I'm what I meant by that. Oh, I, I didn't mean like any kind of transfer transformational revolution or or anything like that. I just think there there's there needs to be a, a bit more of a focus. Um, right, and the I, future. I think we're uh, I think we're ready for that. I think that you know the coaching staff is ready for that. I mean, these people have dedicated a lot of their time and effort into making this the best program that they can, and it is a phenomenal po- program. It it it's truly. It, I mean, I mean, Drew. I mean, you can chime in on this as well. How well have you been treated during this your time here as a member of the Chicago Blind Blackhawks? You were welcomed with open arms, Coach Fogg, uh Your your wife is involved. Like it's, it's an incredible program. The kids are great. You know, it's, it's a great positive message. It's just how do we take it to the next level? How do we take blind hockey and make it? more similar structured to as regular ice hockey. Mm -hmm. Drew was only uh, welcomed as long as I wasn't 
or whatever. I wasn't yelling at him on the ice and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the 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 uh, staff of the Blackhawks blind team has been fantastic. It's the players on the ice that I, <laughs> they're a little rough around the edge. Yeah. It makes me wonder if I want to come back. I get yelled at a lot. People make me look old and fat. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they, make, they make you skate sideboards. Yeah. Cause <laughs> they do do that. <laughs> I can't believe I made a skate sideboards that one day. That was that was so bad. Like I felt so terrible. <laughs> Luke, I feel like Tony and I have this this issue for this this episode, and that we know you pretty well, or or at least well enough that it's almost hard to find good questions to ask you. Right. Like, uh, what's yeah, your favorite? What's your favorite color? <laughs> I'm at, I, I love blue. All right, all right. Well, uh, can't get enough of blue. <laughs> What's your favorite color, Drew? Yellow. That's a good one, too. Drew loves white. Drew wants to wear white with a white stick and white skates. And then I'm going to run through him. Oh, my gosh. You look like a be a pro character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um, I think that... You guys, uh, you guys do know me uh, a lot, um, in the sense that I, I try and be as genuine as I can when I'm in the locker room, and I think Anthony can definitely tell that. Is that you know, my, my I definitely uh, can show um, more competitive aggression while playing. I can be a little, I can you know, get a little ticky tacky out on the ice and uh, even a little chirpy at times. But, you know, I, I do my best not to stop being who I am. And I think that the, I was never affected by the negative culture of the game that way. I think there, there are some, I have, uh, I know a lot of people that were um, in hockey programs, especially uh, in the Chicagoland area, and it can negatively impact people's personalities. Okay. Not everybody, but it, uh, it can do it to some. For, for Absolutely, for sure. The amount yeah. of hazing that goes on, um, the amount of... Uh, th- there's, a, there's several different things that are involved with being a, at any level of sports that um, can really cause negative impact on somebody uh, mentally. I mean, for example, I mean, not to, again, talk about myself, um, I I was bullied. People were mean to me about my eyes, you know? And there's nothing that I can do to change that about my eyesight. And, in fact, now that I've I've gotten older, I've grown to love myself for this. Like, it's very, it's very, we all live a very unique life. And, you know, we can either think of it as a blessing or as a curse. But when you got your teammates who are supposed to be your brothers and your friends, you know, sitting there laughing at you because you can't see something or constantly reminding you, you know, oh, your life sucks because you're blind. Like, you can't drive. Oh, you can't come because you can't see. Like, like people are mean. Mm -hmm. And... 
that's an interesting point because you know what's amazing and this is about the national team is that in the broader scope we can all be defined the same way it's just with a visual impairment but if you actually step inside that that team and that locker room and just hanging out together everybody has such a unique difference from everybody else and it kind of you know before blind hockey i didn't go to uh high school uh, meant for uh people with disabilities and i wasn't used to uh being immersed in in a group of of other people with visual impairments and that uh those camps were the first real experience i had of that and i think i even kind of um stereotyped myself a little bit uh saying and going in it, into it with an expectation that was proven wrong immediately right. is that everybody has their own occupation, their own job. Everybody has a different personality. They all have their own stories. Lots of them have families and it's just, you, you know, it, it gets me every single time to think that, you know, to, from an outside perspective, we seem like just a group of blind guys, but once you step inside of what's going on, um, it, it can be a whole existential experience of its own, which I think is pretty special. Blind hockey, I do think, is going to become a, uh, pretty big in the future. You know, everything has its start. Um, when people look back at, well, how did blind hockey between USA and Canada, because that's where it all began. How did that really start, and and what are the stories behind it? The the most fascinating parts are going to be the people, um, and I think that's the most fascinating uh, beginning to any to any sport. If you go back and and really delve deep into the beginning of um, how the NHL was created, you know right. you hear all kinds of amazing stories about about the people involved. Same with, uh, same with any sport. You could, I could list them all off. But, um, you know, I think that that's why I'm, I was happy and am happy to be a part of this, uh, this podcast today is because I think it is really important to be able to get those stories out there. And Your, uh, your story is so told. important, Luke. Like, like your individual story, your brother's story, these are important. These are all important stories because people need to know, dude. It is not easy to be visually impaired in this in in a, in a world where everybody else has sight. It is not easy to, at all to be visually impaired. But society wise, it's even it can be even more difficult. And the fact that we have found a group of human beings that we get to finally just be ourselves and just feel 110% normal. I feel so normal. Well, for the, as normal as I can feel. Um, when I talk with you guys, and it's, a beautiful, and it's a beautiful thing, and I want every blind person on this planet to have this opportunity of blind hockey or some other blind sport. 
You know, there was a while I was talking from somebody from Africa, you know, that uh, he was in the community for uh, Holy Cross that they they set up in Africa. And I'm like, you know, it would be awesome if, if Africa had a blind hockey team or whatever, uh, whatever country was from, from that continent. And you know how cool that would be? Mm-hmm. Like a Zimbabwean hockey team. Drew, I'm I'm wondering because you have you have a bit more of an outside perspective, but you're vying for a spot on Team USA. What is that? What is the draw, hockey wise, to you? To to play for Team USA. Yeah. It, besides all, besides the um, the typical, oh, I want to represent the country. Answer. I did. I did not mean at all to to discount that as a reason, but I think that there there's always an underlying reason that doesn't get brought up enough. Um, okay, I actually here I've got. <laughs> I'll redo that whole answer for you because I, I it just clicked for me. Do you know what makes me want to play for Team USA? Because I've watched you guys play multiple tournaments, and I do not think that I am the best player out there by any stretch of the word, but. I saw guys like Kelly Serbu and Jason Yuha and the other Canadian guys skating, and I wanted to know if I could stop them. That's an excellent answer. That's a, yeah, that's a way better answer than just representing the country, which is which is the obvious answer. Mm-hmm. It's the highest. It's the highest uh, of honors. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's I think, like what TJ Oshi said, you know. I mean, we we're not representing this country. The the troops are representing this country, and and they're they're the real heroes. But we're representing blind people as mm-hmm. well. And I it think just it's, so it happens to be it, it's for the country because we're the best of the best blind people in this country. I think it's important to, um, yeah, I, I, I drew that. That was an excellent answer. I always think it's important to have that underlying draw, whatever pushes you towards that level. Um, but yeah, obviously you don't discount the fact that, um, putting on a USA Jersey is, is one of the, greatest feelings I've ever had, you know, and it's a, it's a reminder to me that, yeah, I couldn't wish to live in a better place, uh, especially for somebody who's visually impaired. I mean, I don't think we, we really think about that too often. Um, and yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, there's enough said about that, that the point really makes itself. Uh, Tell me, okay, I've got, I've got another question for you. Uh, tell me what it was like playing with Matt on the first national team. It was pretty special, and he is the biggest ho- hockey slash sports fan you'll ever meet. Um, and you know he was a big part of me becoming a fan of the game, and it was a, it was slightly by circumstance to start out with. Um, and 
you know, and he's he was a huge example to me, uh, just in general because we have we have the same exact eye condition, um, and he showed me how to how to cope with it and the through the good times and the bad times, and I followed him to. Uh, I am doing the same major in, uh, at the University of Illinois that he did at Michigan State University, and um, he's had a he's had a profound impact on my life. And I think um, it is the culmination of that was our connection in at least in that first year together, and so that's something I'm never going to forget. And so, I mean, that's. Did did Matt just take step away from hockey? Is he just not living in a place that's got a team right now? Uh, well, he had to step away because he was really deep into starting his career. Um, and yeah, he's living in Michigan now, and uh, they obviously haven't had the best track record with their um, their COVID situation and what they're allowing to have go on. So he hasn't been able to skate a whole lot lately, but uh, he'll, he'll be back into the sport and um, I'm sure he'll, he'll be at some future festivals uh, eventually. Nice. Yeah. I think it's interesting that that first national team had two sets of siblings on it. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Yeah. That was pretty interesting how that worked out. And um, did you, <laughs> this, is, this is weird. You guys were siblings. Did you guys hang out together as siblings or? <laughs> you mean when we were on the team together? Yeah. I mean, last week. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so last when, week. When you're on the team, when you're on the team together. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Um <laughs> It, that was a bullshit question. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, we we stayed away from each other as much as we could. I mean, um, I would. <laughs> no, um, I mean, there's obviously an element of we're we're not going to be the we're not going to be the guys that I mean we can't um, be in a room without each other. Um, I mean, and that's not who we are at all. But um, no, definitely we helped. We navigated that the whole new experience together. That was a that was a big part of it. I, and I feel like it had to be nice to to have that familiarity with with someone. I mean, did now had you and Tony skated together before the the national team tryouts or the the national team? Yeah, I think it would have been about a year at that point that okay. we were skating together. So you you were familiar with at least two other people on the national team at that time. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I mean, I'm sure that that makes it easier to kind of fit in and become Yeah, it, w- it was interesting because I had gone to one or the disabled hockey festival in 2016, which had been held in Michigan um, that year. And I saw so I had met a bunch of the players who would in the future become uh, for the net Canadian team and then the U.S. team. And so it was a little uh interesting and a little funny that way afterwards to be like oh yeah i met you for a day uh last year 
<laughs> and now you're here again. Uh, I, I distinctly remember meeting Dave for the first time at, uh, for that festival in Michigan. And then he joined the team, you know, years after that. So it's funny how the, those things work out where uh, it actually was a community before I even realized it was. Nice. Tony, you, you there? Yep. You got any, got any hard hitting questions for our young friend? No, I think that's it, man. All right. Well, Luke, at the end of everything, we, as you know, we ask everyone the same question. Our goal is the Paralympics. What do we need to do as players and as community to ensure that hockey continues to grow and that when we get there, we, we put on a good show for, for ourselves? I think that COVID has actually taught us a lot and a lot about what can we do um, even when we're not able to, to be skating. And I think a lot of players and everybody on Team USA has done their best to show up in this situation. Um, making sure they're they're working out at home and and turning their their routine around to adapt to that, and that's the kind of attitude that it's going to take uh, to go to the Olympics someday, is um, doing what it takes uh, even when it's tough. The programs are going to get bigger. Um, there's going to be more attention brought to them in the future, and there will inevitably be more players that'll come out of the woodwork uh, in the next, um, if, it, if it's five years or the next nine years, whichever one it is. And um, I think that other than that, um, it's largely what we discussed earlier about um, aligning a lot of what the programs are doing uh, so that, you know, USA can become a powerhouse in blind hockey when we all get together again. Nice. Well, for Josh and myself, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. And just this has been one of the weirder episodes we've recorded. So thanks for sticking it out. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're, we're, Tony and I are both really excited to kind of see where, where you continue going. Uh, and it's just been a, a pleasure to to get to skate with you. So thanks again for coming on, and I'm sure we'll have you on sometime soon. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I second everything Drew just said. I love you, buddy. I'm so proud of everything that you've accomplished in the over your lifetime, and for everything that I've seen you do over these past couple of years has been incredible. I'm very proud of you. Uh, keep working hard. Tell your family that I said hello, and thank you for being our last guest of the season. Thank you for having me. Had a lot of fun. Absolutely, brother. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Dented Puck. We post new content every Thursday on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at The Dented Puck and on Facebook at The Dented Puck Podcast. Send us your questions and correspondence to the Dented Puck Podcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you in the next one.